Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor-in-Chief Film Critic for IndieWire, here in Park City on the first day of the Sundance Film Festival with my friendly sparring partner, Ann Thompson from Thompson on Hollywood. And I have to say, it's, it's amazing how the narrative of our world shifts on such a regular basis at this time of the year. I mean, last week, we were digging into the Oscar nominations, and that was kind of like everything there was for us to talk about at the moment. But now it's Sundance. And even though the Oscars haven't even happened yet, we have a whole new crop of movies to dig through. And sometimes it does seem like these are two different worlds that we're talking about. I mean, they connect a little bit, you know, in a weird if you think about Boyhood, which debuted here uh, a year ago or Life Itself, uh, you know, that, that or you think about, you know, someone like Justin Lin. Um, you know, being nothing to do with the Oscars at all, but just the talent that gets introduced here and moves on into the bigger world. And of course, there was Whiplash here last year. I mean, right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but I think what's interesting about it is that Sundance people bring all kinds of different agendas to this festival. And part of that is just because it's at the top of the year. It's been around for a certain amount of time. Uh, there's just a large volume of product in a, in a marketplace that keeps changing. But uh, one of the things that I find really interesting about Sundance, and I'll, I'll freely admit I'm an idealist and, and, I, and I'm into this festival, is that it's not really about the hype. The hype is something that's constructed, I think, by a lot of it, different people. It gets constructed later. And, and this is about discovery. Yeah. That's what I love about it. That's why I always come back and I'm, I, I'm just like you. I'm, I'm like a kid in a candy shop and there's too many candies. And which ones am I going to pick? And which is going to be the juiciest, best one? And which is going to be the new talent that nobody's ever heard of, like Beasts of the Southern Wild? And that is the discovery. You know, what if the Wolfpack director is just the, the bee's knees? You know, or what if Thomas Mann in Earl and the Dying Girl or whatever the hell the name of that unmemorable movie is? Do you remember it? Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, of course. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my my practice on that. But, you know, that kid could be the next uh, Miles Teller. You know, that's right. that's the hunt of the chase, the fun of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I remember last year uh, seeing uh, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, you know, the first feature from Anna Lily Amirpour, which ended up having a great year, and, and she was a, considered a real discovery. And it, it's that sort of thing, you know, not a kind of obvious commercial bet, not an obvious award season movie per se, but something that's just completely different and that's been selected, I think, partly for that reason. And I think one of the things that, that's been really positive about Sundance in the last couple of years is that the way that it's programmed uh, is, is such that there are different places you can look for different kinds of movies depending on what your agenda is. So if you look at the premiere section, you know, where uh, Noah Baumbach's Mistress America is, you know, that's really where the, the commercial stuff tends to lie. I mean, that movie closed the deal with Fox Searchlight weeks ago. 
But then you have, you know, the next section, which is not really, despite the the misleading name of the section, a place for just first-time filmmakers. There's lots of people who have been around for a while. It's it's really a place that creates space for films that are harder to get noticed in other parts of the festival. Uh, Rick Alverson's got a movie called Entertainment that's this really awkward, kind of depressing story of a stand-up comedian traveling around the desert. Um... Ty Sheridan, right? Uh, Ty Sheridan, a comedian known as Neil Hamburger, who's who's completely uh, strange and and hilarious in his own unique way. And, you know, he made a movie called The Comedy that was in U.S. competition in 2012. And, you know, it it really divided people to the point where I think a lot of people didn't think it was worthy of that kind of attention. Now, I thought that was fascinating, but it also maybe didn't work for that kind of movie in this setting. So they've created a different sort of space for, for movies that do work for the people who want to see them. Uh, you know, Tangerines from Sean Baker, who did Starlet. It's a movie about a, a two transvestite women. It's another one that I think is, it's, you know, it, if you could put that movie on a certain level where a bunch of buyers are going to go to it, a bunch of media people are going to go to it with some kind of expectations, and it's something weird and different, you know, they'd be disappointed. But instead they put it in this section where that's what, people are looking for and yeah, so sometimes that's where the best stuff is to absolutely. tell you the truth and i have to and say, i'm excited by the docs i mean there's there's right. you know there's kirby dick's the hunting ground about rape on college campus there's alex gibney's scientology doc going clear the that's already getting you know coverage in the new york times and so forth and right. and and and, and uh, amy berg's prophets prey these are all just sort of scandal hunting documentaries which is pretty exciting you know digging into the church of Latter-day Saints, you know, and and then the Wolf Pack, which I mentioned before about these kids who were locked up in an apartment, you know, it's just very, I I can't wait to see these. Yeah, and the Nightmare from Rodney Asher, who did Room 237, that's in Midnight, and it's about sleepwalkers. Um, I mean, I think, you know, with 103 world premieres, you get a pretty good uh, representation of not just, you know, what American cinema is like right now, but more, I think, the variety of American cinema that's out there, and that's really what counts you know i mean there are people who love to rag on sundance it's an easy target um you well, forget about you know. the swag forget about the parties that's not important but it's there's another the yeah but there's another criticism that i would confront which is that there are certain kinds of movies that wind up at a festival like this that you know some people who would identify as serious movie buffs wouldn't necessarily consider to be their top priorities the kind of formulate coming of age stories the the obvious tear jerkers and so forth but I when you say, have emerging talent when you have young filmmakers which is what this is also about they end up doing you know uh coming of age stories and and that isn't an occupational hazard at sundance there's no question but some of them turn out really well too i mean boyhood was a coming of age story so that's kind of the mic drop answer right there but you know the other thing that i've been thinking about you know in in, with all of all the kind of oscar hype that's been going on the last few weeks is is the way in which sundance may in fact be becoming more of a feeding ground for that kind of movie than it used to be. And and that's something that I think, you know, we it's been going on for a long period of time. But with Boyhood being this serious contender for Best Picture, no Sundance world premiere has ever won Best Picture in, before. Beast of the Southern Wild was nominated, didn't win. We've been it got five nominations, it. which was a big deal, a big and deal. including director and writer, which was pretty amazing, and actress. So that yeah. seems to suggest that maybe you know the Beast was sort of one step forward, Boyhood being maybe another step forward. I mean, these are not traditional commercial movies in any respect. 
The thing about boyhood that's so cool is that that the, the risk that Richard Linklater took in terms of the form of a movie that had never been tried before that that was so daring is paying off in the end because the people in the academy, many of whom would never have the guts to do it, um, recognized what he did and they give him a due respect. And and but it also touches people emotionally. That's why it has a real chance of winning. Does it set up a new paradigm for Sundance? I think Sundance is mostly, if 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 it serves so many needs in terms of getting, you know, being the the curator, the the gatekeeper, you know, selecting all of this material out of this huge mass of stuff that was submitted, giving it a chance to to have us in the media, we in the media, give it a real um, uh, focus and attention, but also contributing to the process of having these distributors decide that they're going to pick it up and get it out there. But it's also very much about talent discovery. And that, I think, is is sometimes overlooked. You know, it's it becomes part of the farm system for Hollywood. It does become part of the grain and 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 future of of the movies we're going to see down the line. And it's interesting because you know, as we spoke a few weeks ago after the Golden Globes, you know, it, it really did seem like there were all these kinds of paradigm shifts going on in terms of you know the kind of convergence of, of different kinds of media and TV kind of being on the rise. You see that on at Sundance this year with. Um, yeah, the, the pilot for this Duplass Brothers produced show, Animal, is being presented at the festival. There's an HBO series that's being previewed at the festival. And yet it seems like nobody's questioning the future of, of movies. It's just that the kinds of movies that gain some momentum in our culture, I think, are changing in ways that are actually better than a lot of people realize. Uh, that's partly- one thing. Though, uh, but what's interesting is where I happen to be right now in is at the Art House Convergence, which is this group of um, uh, art house distri- exhibitors, theater owners from around the country. That's growing rapidly. It's gone from like twenty five to to five hundred here, two hundred theaters represented here. Um, it, it's very interesting that uh, to see how the question of getting the films out is such an important thing. They're getting made, Eric. They're all getting made. That's not the issue. The issue is how do people see them and how do they get marketed and how do they get found? And I find that was an inspirational thing here to see how people are trying to figure out the digital future and figure out how to, you know, crowdsource and market and get on Twitter and do all the things that you have to do to find audiences today. Well, no, I totally agree. And, and, you know, the keynote speech that you gave, 13 Ways to Keep Smart Movie Fans Happy, which people can read on IndieWire, uh, makes some really interesting points about the role of going to film festivals if you have that kind of curatorial position in the industry to find the right kinds of movies to get seen. Yeah, they're out there, but it it is a challenge for people to to make them presentable to audiences. One of the things that I think is really interesting is that a lot of the movies that I like, I know not everybody's going to like, but when you discover them at a film festival, it's, it's a much more sensitive kind of environment where you can actually play a role to some degree in advocating for different kinds of sensibilities. And I think one of the things that I've really appreciated about going to Sundance for almost a decade is seeing how certain kinds of movies that start here end up being defined in ways that they wouldn't necessarily have if they just kind of materialized out of nowhere. And so that's sort of, I think, the value of whatever you want to call it, the hype machine, the Sundance buzz, is that in some ways you can actually take advantage of it 
to redirect interest into into directions that you know people wouldn't necessarily pay attention to. And I think exhibitors, distributors, everybody in the industry really has an opportunity to think in those terms. It's not about you know what's a surefire commercial surefire commercial bet anymore because nothing really is unless you have millions of dollars in, in on the marketing side. So it's actually a great time to be taking risks. I mean, that being said, I'm not somebody out there buying movies, so I'm just sort of you know, offering armchair analysis here, but I would say that, you know, it's not necessarily about, you know, the, the kind of obvious picks anymore. It does seem like the riskier, the better in some ways, wouldn't you? I absolutely agree. There's because, because it's, it's the, the advantage that the independents have against the monolith of sameness being offered by the studios is that they can be original. They can do what the studios are afraid to do. And the other thing is, you know, Sundance, I think has improved in in maybe the last, let's say five, six years in that it doesn't try to have a very obvious narrative. In some ways it feels more cluttered in positive ways. Opening night being uh, tonight, as we're recording this conversation, you know, there, there are so many movies screening. There's the, which one are you picking? I don't even know. We've got the bronze. It's a hard choice. We got what, uh, the Nina Simone documentary. We've got, uh, short films, I mean, there, there's an uh, international competition film showing. Um, I've seen some stuff, and um, it, well, all I can say is that, you know, the, the variety is so interesting. I mean, there's just, it's it's really hard to choose, but the the challenge in choosing is that, you know, there isn't really one wrong decision, and I think that's sort of... You always feel like there's know, someone on the other side yeah. of the of the town seeing the thing you're supposed to be exactly. seeing. It, you always, it always feels like you're behind, and, and we're going to spend the weekend running around feeling like we're behind uh, and, and, and chasing, you know, as many stories as possible. But, you know, I can't even imagine what it's like for, let's say, a first-time filmmaker at this festival suddenly thrust into this world in which... They have to fight to stand out. I mean, I can imagine, you know, getting into Sundance, making it seem like you've arrived, but that is increasingly... Oh, it's a long road ahead. In fact, one of the things that I was arguing about in that in that um, uh, address that I made is that I really feel strongly, this is something Tom Bernard at Sony Pictures Classics feels strongly about too, that, that, that the, I see these filmmakers with like, they're like deer in the headlights, you know, they really don't know what right. the hell is going on. And I think the schools that are teaching them how to make movies need to teach them how to handle this. I think it has to be part of the curriculum because it, it doesn't, you know, do you any good to be lost and completely at sea once your film is finally being shown and you can't just rely on other people to help you, you know? Well, I think this raises a really interesting question though, because, you know, as much as, you know, the educational system could be improved in certain ways so that people realize that marketing needs to be a part of how you think of yourself as a filmmaker. There are some people who exclusively think of themselves as artists and will never budge from any and they other have kind to, of... They, I know, and, 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 and they have to learn how, how to find out out, you know, how to find the people that are going to help them, um, but which is part of the battle, you know, that you need those people. If right. you don't have anything set up, then you're really doomed. Right, absolutely. I mean, I think there, there's just a greater demand for producers, for marketers who actually know what they're talking about. And, you know, one of the things that, that, I, that I've enjoyed is, is following the lives of movies through all kinds of different platforms, whether it's a social media promotion thing or, you know, some kind of grassroots release strategy 
I think what filmmakers need to know is not necessarily how to build up your Twitter following. It's more about, as much as I hate to use the term, building a brand overall. If you can it's create true. some sort of anticipation about who you are and what you have to say, then you should be in good shape. I mean, I think, um, you know, with, with people like Wes Anderson and Richard Linkletter still doing very well, you know, it creates an unhealthy kind of way to see what your pot prospects are because those are guys who got successful at a very different time for American Linkletter very much established by Sundance, by the way. That established was, that by was... Sundance, but established it by Sundance, you know, 20 plus years ago. So it's, you know, I mean, the, the volume of submissions they had, the ways in which people watch movies were so different now. And so those are not the models that are necessarily productive for people to look at in terms of how to get themselves out there. I mean, you really I do have to think look. that I do think that the filmmakers are, are I, I have noticed a big sea change over the past four or five years where it used to be that, 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 you know, everybody was anticipating the auction and, you know, they were going to grab the big brass ring and get distribution from the top studio subsidiary and their career would be launched. I think a lot more realism has been injected into the equation where you might not get distribution and you might have to, you know, put something DIY together and you might not get the terms that might even be worth getting, you know? And, and so all the other options are on the table now. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the, the digital options that are on the table in some ways are, are much more interesting than uh, a lot of the, the other more traditional options, you know, whether it's Netflix, which seems to be in the habit now of picking up only streaming and VOD rights for certain titles or somebody like Vimeo that's it's experimenting with different kinds of ways of, of doing things. And, and Sundance has this artist services program, which helps filmmakers get available in all these different kinds of places in a way that, might not seem exciting to somebody who just wants to see their movie on, on, you know, the big screen. But, you know, if you look at it as, well, it's playing at Sundance, so it's already on the big screen. Then the next step is, how do you get it to the rest of the country and the rest of the world? So, you know, gradually I think we're going to see more and more of a shift towards people being more comfortable with these unorthodox approaches. But you're right, it, it will require people at very early stages of their careers becoming used to understanding what the marketplace really is. I agree. So, you know, one of the things that that I think people will find valuable who are at Sundance is uh, talking to as many people as you possibly can. And it sounds so simple, but I I find that uh, this is such an insular world and people get trapped in these little corners with the same people they see all over the place. One of the things I love is walking down, you know, Park uh, Avenue, whatever it's called, uh, the Main Street, and, you know, you're slushing in the snow and you're going over to the holiday cinemas or whatever, and there's people in front of you. And it's filmmakers, and they're talking to each other, and they're sharing information. And what happens in festivals like this is that filmmakers meet the people that are going to help them make films for years to come. It's it's part of a whole networking uh, thing that's terribly important. You're absolutely correct. And, you know, everybody's wearing name tags, so it's not like you can just hide in your own anonymity or anything. Um, and and the, there's something to that, this mythological dimension of the festival, which is something that I think you can find at other kinds of festivals, smaller festivals with different kinds of curatorial approaches, larger international fo- focuses. It really doesn't matter. I mean, it's just more about the idea of the festival environment being this focal point for how to develop your role in, in film culture that I think Sundance ends up epitomizing 
One, because it starts the year. And two, because it, it has this strong brand. And, and each year, I think it gets a little bit stronger. I don't think it's lost any kind of momentum over the years. And in some ways, by being the establishment festival in this country, each year, I think it sets a certain standard that everybody has to kind of work around. So I'm really excited, personally, to see how this year goes. There's not anything that really has like the kind of hype that would suggest it's just going to steamroll everything. But to that, to me, is much more exciting because it means there's just going to be a lot more variety, at least, you know, I would hope. Um, the next time that we speak, we'll be able to go into a little bit more detail and um, we'll have an audience, too, because you and I will be doing a, a live edition of Screen Talk at, on Main Street at the Airbnb house, which I'm very excited about. We've never done With guests. Like With guests. We'll have uh, the director of the Wolf Pack, whom we mentioned earlier, and uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, who has a documentary in, in the U.S. competition. So a little bit of variety and the opportunity for people to ask questions in person or, or throw things as it were. Completely up to you how you want to react to us. But um, we hope that Wednesday. people will uh, yeah, stop by on Wednesday. It's 3.30 p.m. at the Airbnb house on Main Street. And um, hopefully by then we'll have plenty to talk about. But, of course, if you're reading IndieWire you'll know a lot of what we're going to talk about because uh, we'll be writing about it. So in the next 24 hours, a lot of stuff's going to happen, and we encourage people to keep up to date on everything that's going on. And just remember that, you know, just because it's, uh, you know, not a movie that's getting a lot of attention out of Sundance doesn't mean you shouldn't be excited about it. So if there's something that I would say, you know, you really are curious about, nudge us you know we're on twitter i'm always curious to know what readers want to hear about because a lot of times something slips below the radar and it ends up being one of the more interesting films here and even when i'm digging through the program i miss stuff so i don't know your feelings about this Anne, but i love hearing from people who want to know about certain films at the festival because it's just really hard to uh keep track of it all absolutely twitter's our friend keeps us informed That's happy it. happy hunting eric <laughs> <laughs> you too Anne. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.